Thanks, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. I know that you had a lot of other places you probably could have been at or gone to, and I appreciate that you're here with us this morning. We're starting a brand new series today. Uh, it's based on The Purpose Driven Life. It's a book that was written by uh, my pastor and mentor, Rick Warren. Man, quite a few years ago. Sold over 30 million copies, lots of copies. And uh, we're not going to preach through the book. I'm actually taking a little bit different shift. But we are going to talk about what it looks like to be purpose-driven in our, in our relationship with God and with one another. And today we're going to talk about the purpose-driven Christian. Uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 12. You've got your Bible or your Bible app. Open up to Mark 12 and we'll get there in just a bit. When I was a young pastor, which seems like another lifetime or two ago, uh, I was in Eugene, Oregon at a church called Faith Center with uh, uh, Joe Whitworth, my, my uh, friend and pastor as well. And I asked my mentor, Noel Campbell, some of you know who Noel is. Noel uh, was the uh, pastor there at that time and uh, a mentor to me. And I asked him, I said, Noel, I said, what's your greatest advice for a young man? And I, I was a young man and I was deeply impressed with Noel's life. I said, Noel, give me your best advice. Give me the, the thing you would want to say to, to me that I should remember the rest of my life. And he smiled, if you know Noel, he smiled and says, well, Kurt, love God love people and love your life by finding out why God put you on this earth. And it was great advice. Love God, love people, and, and love your life by finding out why God put you on this earth. Words from a very wise man that to this day I, I hold dearly. Like I said, we're starting a brand new series. And it's called The Purpose Driven Life. And in this series, we're going to take a look at some things that I, I will relate to most of you, if not all of you. Uh, today, what it means to be the purpose driven Christian. Next week, we're going to talk about, and I'm really excited about next Sunday. Never taught on this ever before. What it looks like to be purpose driven in your work, where you have your work experience, or if you're a business owner in your business. We're talking about what it means to be a purpose driven single, and you might not be single. Hopefully, you don't want to be single if you aren't. But let's just say that you uh, have friends, you have family, you know people in your life. And we'll be talking about what that looks like as well. And then we'll talk about the purpose-driven marriage. And we'll finish up the series talking about the purpose-driven family. And I, I can promise you this. It will be fun. It will be inspirational. And it will be challenging and helpful. So I want to encourage you to invite your friends. You know, this book sold over 30 million copies because people want to know, why do I exist? What on earth am I here for? They want to know their purpose. And so I want to encourage you to invite your friends to come. This would be a great series. Hey, next week, Pastor Chris, talking about this. Why don't you come and I'll sit with you. Today, I want to start with a question, and it's an important one. If you knew that you had only 30 days to live, what might you do differently? If you knew that by October 1st, you'd be with Jesus, how would you live September differently than you do? Now, I know, think, well, that's kind of morbid. That's depressing. No, you know, here's the truth. All of us have limited time. We all have an expiration date. You knew that, right? Some of you are like, what? Yeah, we, we all. Now, some of us are a little closer to the expiration date than others, but we don't know. We don't know whether we have 30 days or 30 years left. And so living with the end in mind is important. Living with an understanding that every day matters and counts is important, especially if you want to finish well. And so we're going to talk about how to finish well and living with uh, purpose, with passion, with people. And the goal, again, the goal is to encourage you to truly consider how you might live your life differently if you lived on purpose and with the end in mind. The back side of your bulletin is the big idea. I encourage you to take some notes today. In fact, take some notes in this entire series because it'll be, it'll be helpful if you do. But here's the big idea. Some people face the end of their life 
with deep satisfaction and few regrets. Others finish poorly with questions about what might have been. Here's what God wants. God wants you to finish well. And the key to doing so is, is discovering your God-given purpose on the planet. God wants every one of us to finish well. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and he wants you to finish well, to finish strong. And a significant key, not the only key, but a significant key to you doing so is discovering your God-given purpose on the planet. And there's nothing overstated in that at all. Finding and fulfilling your God-given purpose is absolutely imperative. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote about King uh, David in Acts chapter 13. I'll just read it to you. Acts 13, 36. Paul, uh, Paul wrote this about King David, one of the greatest kings that ever lived in Israel's history. He said, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors. Paul wrote, when David had served his purpose in his own generation, God had a purpose for David's life. And David fulfilled that. Listen, God has a purpose for your life. Do you think, well, I'm no king. I'm not that great. I'm not that special. You are special to God. And God has a plan for you. Now, David was far from perfect. If you've read the Old Testament and read his story, and I would encourage you to do so, you'll see that David made plenty, lots and lots of mistakes. But we're told earlier in this chapter, in fact, the same chapter of Acts, Acts uh, chapter 13, verse 22, that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Why was David so highly revered by his people and so special to God? Well, because David loved the Lord with all his heart, and because David discovered and lived out his God-given purpose. David finished well, and that's God's desire for you. Perhaps you've noticed, if you've been here uh, any length of time at all, or maybe even today, that we have five banners on our wall. Uh, it's probably time to update those just to get a little bit better color scheme going on. But those five purposes identify our five core, five core purposes. And they, they, are, they represent the things that we're all about here at East Point. Love God, connect with others, serve one another, grow disciples, and then go impact the world. And we love God by worship, by giving our all to Him. We connect by being in connection with others, by being in fellowship, by partnering with others together. We serve as we minister and give away what God has given to us. We say it around here all the time, every one of you is a minister. You might think, nope, not me. If you are a Christ follower, you are a minister, meaning you are called to serve, to give away what God has given to you. We are all about growth, growing disciples, and we take that very seriously around here. It's why we keep emphasizing all the classes and the special things we do to help you become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. And then, ultimately, we go. We want to evangelize. I know that we don't use the E word around here a lot because evangelism scares some people. Now, I'm not an evangelist or I had a bad experience with that. No, what it just means is to go and tell our story, to be his representatives to the world. And we talk about going here, near, and far. Here meaning we go to our neighbors, we go near to our city and our county and to our, our region. And then ultimately, sometimes we go far. Look at Nick. Nick's been to Guatemala and Africa this year. He, he went far twice. And uh, it was fun traveling with him and his gnome, by the way, which is a whole other story. But anyhow, uh, it, it, it is ultimately about going and bringing the gospel everywhere we go. Now, those five purposes, here's what you need to hear about that. And if you've been around, you've heard me say this before, but you need to hear it again. And if you're new, please listen carefully. I didn't come up with those. I'm not that smart. Well, you know, we didn't sit around at a staff meeting with a whiteboard and say, hey, well, let's, just, let's come up with the five purposes of the church. Now, wouldn't that be cool if we could just kind of narrow that? Nope, we didn't do that at all. We didn't figure that out. 
And for the record, those are not just East Point's five purposes. They are the churches, capital C. They belong to the Church of Jesus. Where did I get such a crazy idea? Well, they're based on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment found in uh, Matthew 22 and the Great uh, Commission found in Matthew 28. And I've read those before, and, and I will take a look at the Great uh, uh, Commandment today uh, briefly. But they're based on the two things Jesus said, these are imperatives. The great commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel and the great commission, which is, I mean, the great commandment, which is to love our neighbors and to love God, and the great commission, which is to go into all the world. There, and, and by the way, we've practiced these here as consistently as we can, and we're getting better at it all the time. But I'm here to tell you one of the reasons why. Do you know that East Point, in our relatively short history, we have baptized in water over a thousand people? Over a thousand people. You know why? It's because we take these purposes seriously. So let me be clear. Being purpose-driven as a church matters. It absolutely matters. Not just for us, but for the church of Jesus. And being purpose-driven as a Christian matters too. You might expect that since God gave the church five purposes, that he's given Christians, Christ followers, the same five purposes as well. And so these are our purposes, and they are your purpose as well. And so what I want to do today is briefly unpack how. How do we do each of these as Christ followers? What does it look like then to be a purpose-driven Christian? Here's number one in your outline. Number one, the purpose-driven Christian loves God above all. Loves God above all. The very first purpose is to love God. I had you turn to Mark 12. Look at it with me. Mark 12, 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's commonly referred to as the great commandment. Love God with every ounce of your being. Jesus, by the way, said this. You need to know the context. And people miss this. He said it to a very religious, Bible-informed teacher of the law. Now, what does that matter? Well, because Jesus said to this guy who was a scribe who grew up knowing and teaching and studying the Torah, he probably had the first five books of the Torah memorized. He knew the scriptures. And when he asked the question, what matters most, here's what Jesus told this scribe, this very religious person. Here it is, love God with all. Love matters most. More than anything else you know or do or think. That's Jesus' point. More than anything else you think you know you, you think you understand more than anything you do or think. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's the thing. There's not a Christian in this room or anyone watching online right now that would argue with the great commandment of Jesus. And some of us, in fact, the minute I talked about the great commandment and loving God, you started to zone off into the la-la land, and you're thinking about something else right now. Or you've got your phone out, and you're texting somebody. Because you think, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. There's none of us that argues with this reality that this is what we're called to do. And yet, here's the depth of this that still needs to be experienced in our lives. To love God with all our heart means there's no one, absolutely no one, that means more to us than Him. Not the person sitting next to you, not your kids, not your spouse, not your best friend. No one. We love God more than anyone on the planet. That's what it means to love God with all our heart. To love Him with all our soul means we love Him with every essence, every ounce, every part of our being, every part of who we are, we love Him. With all our mind means that, he, that our love for Him, our relationship with God affects every decision we make. Not just a few, not just once in a while we dial God up and say, hey, what do you think about this? It means that every choice we make in life, to love God with all your mind means that every choice you make in life is something you, you're, you're trying to do your best to demonstrate your relationship with God and with all our strength. 
means that we obey and we follow him. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. And so love God with all our strength. Doesn't mean that we do extra push-ups in the morning while we're doing our quiet time. It means that we love God with everything that we are and so much so that we will obey and follow him. Again, most of us know that. We get that. We believe that. We would embrace that and no one argues with that. Not any reasonable Christian. But the problem is that we are so easily distracted by lesser things. Can we just own that? Again, I'm looking around the room and I know most of you and I know you think, yeah, yeah, I know. I I just, I love Jesus and I want to love him more. The problem, the challenge for us, and I say us because it includes me, is that we get distracted by lesser things. And by the way, it's not always sin that draws us away from God. Sometimes it's good things. Remember, Jesus spoke the great commandment to a religious guy who spent his entire life being religious and being righteous and trying to do the right thing. Sometimes it's the, the, the good things that draws us away from the best, an all-consuming love for God. But Jesus said, love first. Made that first because of this simple reality. When we get love right, everything else falls into place. The reason why it's number one for us, the reason why Jesus made it number one for us and for the church is because when you get love right, everything else falls into place. That's why the great commandment is the great commandment because when you love most, you live best. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down because I want you to remember that. When you love most, That's when you live best and everything else comes into alignment. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle for us to maintain that passion and that love. Jesus said this to the church in Ephesus. It's found in Revelation 2, 4, and 5. And I'm going to read this passage to you because I believe it's a word to the church in America. And I believe it's a word to our church as well. And here's the challenge Jesus put to the church in Ephesus. He said, you've forsaken the love you had at first. You've forgotten your first love. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Consider how far you've gone. And then Jesus said, repent and do the things you did at first. It's a challenging passage. And I truly do believe it's one that we, the church of Jesus, especially the church in the West, need to own and we need to admit, yep, we have forgotten what it's like. I remember the early days of my relationship with Jesus. I remember the Jesus people movement. That's how old I am. And I remember the passion. I remember you could not beat people. You couldn't keep them from church. People would show up not just once or twice a month, which is the national average now in America for church. Did you know that? They wouldn't just show up once in a while. They would show up two, three times a week. In fact, wait for it. They would sometimes come twice in one day, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I remember showing up at a church in Anaheim that we attended, and people would show up 45 minutes before they opened the doors because they wanted to sit down front, not in the back. Now, am I saying that to make anybody here feel guilty? No, you're the guys that showed up this morning. Thank you. I'm not trying to add guilt or shame to anybody. But what I'm saying is, can you just acknowledge with me that it's possible that we, the church, especially the church in the West, have left too much of the passion, left too much of our first love, and we are not as radically and deeply in love with Jesus as we once were. And the word of Jesus to the church is, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you several this morning. Don't answer out loud. But here's the first question. How's your love for God right now? Is it burning hot? And if not, why not? Where have perhaps you been distracted and drawn away by lesser things? Not necessarily evil things, but just lesser things. Remember, when you first fell in love with Jesus, that's what he wants you to experience every day of your life. 
And purpose-driven Christian loves God first and foremost. Let's move on. Number two. The purpose-driven Christian meaningfully connects to a community of faith. Meaningfully connects to a community of faith. I have said it a billion times, and I will say it a billion times more. We are better and stronger together than any of us is on our own. We are better and stronger together than any one of us can ever be on our own. We were created and designed by God to live in meaningful, and that's a key word there, meaningful and vital community, a community of faith that challenges and encourages us to grow relationally and to grow spiritually. You know, we live in a world where everybody is friends with somebody. I mean, how many of you have more than, let's just say, 100 friends on Facebook? Come on, raise your hands. How many more than like a thousand friends on Facebook? I mean, yes, everybody's got friends. You've got Instagram followers and you've got whatever social media followers. You've got people that call you their friends. But too few, too few of us are really connected, significantly connected to real live humans. Not just friends on the internet, but real live humans who can look you in the eye and call you on your crap. And who can wrap their arms around you when you're going through crap. Real live humans. People who stand with you. I am not this morning, I'm going to resist the temptation to read to you from Acts chapter 2 or Hebrews 10 or Ecclesiastes 4. And part of me wants to do that because, but some of you, I, I mentioned those passages and you just kind of roll your eyes back. Yeah, heard them, been there, done that. But the question is, are you hearers of the word or doers of the word? I can read to you from Acts from Hebrews and from Ecclesiastes, and passages that challenge us and have consistently challenged us to live in relationship with others. But the question is, are you doing it? James 1.22, James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Don't just listen, but do. I'm going to say something that you've probably never heard from a pastor, so listen carefully. I want you to get this. Please stop coming to church if all you're going to do is just listen without putting the word into action and practice in your life. Because the world doesn't need any more Christians who say one thing and do another. They don't need more Christians who say they follow Jesus and say they value community and say they value connection, and yet they don't do what Jesus told them to do. They don't live like Jesus lived in community. Following Jesus includes living out your faith in a community with other believers. It includes church around the stage, which is church on Sunday. And by the way, you know, some people say, I, in fact, had a friend of mine not too long ago on, on Facebook said, you know, that the church is not biblical. And I just wanted to scream, yes, it is. Well, Jesus didn't, he, Jesus didn't go to church. Yes, he did. Every Sunday, Jesus was Saturday, but he was in the synagogue. Hello. Jesus practiced. And then the first church, the, the early church, it says you read in the book of Acts. He said they continued to meet in the temple courts. That's church and daily. It's church around the stage and church around the table. That's what we value around here. Church around the stage and church around the table. Church in small groups. So there's the question, are you in a small group? Are you involved, connected meaningfully with other Christ followers? Are you? Have you been through, wait for it, rooted? As Pastor Nate said, today's the last day to sign. Same thing. I don't know if I can make a 10-week commitment. Do it. Make it. Invest. And I promise you, it will change your life. Today's the last day. Get signed up. If you're at home watching right now or at the lake watching right now, get online, eastpointchurch.com, and sign up for Rooted. Because a purpose-driven Christian discovers and demonstrates their purpose in community. It doesn't happen if you're a lone ranger. It happens in context and community with others. Let's move on. Number three. 
Purpose-driven Christian serves others selflessly and sacrificially. Serves others selflessly and sacrificially. I taught on this not too many weeks ago on our Let's Go Crazy series, so I'll be brief today. But I want to encourage you to discover your God-given shape. And we have mentioned this many times around here that we, we do EP201. In fact, it's happening on September 30th, the last Sunday of this month, Sunday afternoon right here. And there's no cost for it. Just sign up and, and go through it. If you haven't been through 101, you need to do that first. And then you go through 201 with shape. But shape is designed to help you discover. S stands for your spiritual gifts. H is your heart, your passions. Uh, a is your abilities. P is your personality and E is your experience. Because God has shaped you. He's put all of those things together in, a, in, in you for a purpose. And he wants you to live that out in service to others. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The voice translation says, each believer has received. Listen carefully to these words. Each believer has. Not might, not for a few. Each and everyone, each has received a gift that manifests the Spirit's power and presence. That gift is given for the good of the whole community. And there's the community aspect again. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter said, each of you should use whatever gift you've received. Again, it says each of you. This is a different author. It's Peter, not Paul, saying each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards or managers of God's grace in its various forms. Both of these texts, one from Paul and one from Peter, make it clear that every believer has a God-given gift and they are to use it to serve others. And they go, I don't know what my gift is. Take shape. Well, I think I know what my gift is, but I, it never gets used. Take shape and get engaged. Find a place. Engage. Use your gift to serve others. So the question is, are you serving someone, others, elsewhere, using the gifts or gift God has given to you in a selfless and sacrificial way? Listen to me. Purpose-driven Christians serve. And there's so much joy and life and experience and, and, and the adventure is found not in just sitting and taking all the time, but finding a place, whether it's in Awana or with East Point Kids or with the Connections team or by coming down here, we get people to help clean this building every week. Finding a place to say, I'm going to give away what God has given to me. Maybe you're a teacher and you need to, to, to use your teaching gift in not just the context of where you work, but in a spiritual way as well, where God uses you to teach others. There are so many things that I could identify. I won't take the time to do so, but I want you to hear this. God has given you a gift. He has shaped you for a purpose, and he wants you to use that to serve him and to serve others. And until you do, you can't really say, well, I'm living the purpose-driven life. Number four, purpose-driven Christian demonstrates a passion for spiritual growth. They demonstrate a passion for spiritual growth. In case you're wondering, Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't. Spiritual growth is an intentional choice to be, become, and do. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Three words that mean a lot. Be, become, and do. Spiritual disciple, you be with Jesus. You become like Jesus, and then you do what Jesus did. You be with Jesus. You spend time in the Word, in prayer, in worship. Why? Because no relationship happens or is developed in a vacuum. No relationship happens unless you're intentional about it. I've been married to this woman for 43 years. And unless we invest time together, we begin to drift apart. So we continue to grow, though, and together by intentionally investing time together. You have to be intentional about this. Peter told the church, and by the way, that includes you and me, First Peter 2, 2 and 3. 
And I love this passage, and I'm going to unpack it just a wee bit for you, but listen carefully. Peter said, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let me read that verse again. Listen carefully. Because some of you need to hear the, the, see the word picture that Peter is using. He says, like newborn babies crave, long for, want it bad, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may what? Grow up mature in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, I'm going to get in trouble right here. Ready? This is going to happen and it's going to be recorded forever. I'm not trying to be cute or graphic or, or rude or anything else. I really am not. But Peter's using a word picture here that you need to understand what he's talking about. Have you ever seen a young newborn baby crave his or her mama's milk? That's where I got in trouble. That's, that is exactly the picture you need. You think, well, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Peter's saying, like a newborn baby cannot find milk fast enough. That's the way God wants us to be when it comes to him. And then he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you understand what he's talking about there? That just like that, that milk is sweet to a baby. The word of the Lord, God's spiritual nourishment for us is sweet and it is it is good for us to taste here's something that you might not hear very often from other pastors but i'm going to tell you right up front it is not my goal to be your sole source of spiritual food i want to be a source i want to challenge encourage you teach you that's my goal it's my gift but it's not my job to be your sole source of spiritual food if you only show up here once a week and that's the only time you open your bible and you, if it's like eating once a week. And if you only eat once a week, you are going to die. You've got to continue. We talk about self-feeding disciples around here. We want you in the Word. We want you to pick up that Bible and to read it all the time. We want you to, to grow, to, to experience other input and, and, and to be in context with others who will challenge you spiritually because you need to grow and you need to crave spiritual growth just like that newborn baby craves his or her mama's milk. That's Peter. That's what he said. So the question is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? A purpose-driven Christian is. One more, the last one, number five. A purpose-driven Christian is willing to go to their neighbors or to the ends of the earth to share the good news. To go. It's our fifth purpose, to go. To their neighbors or to the ends of the earth to share the good news. You know, I have seen all of the Mission Impossible movies. I like them. And uh, as a kid, I remember watching Mission, I mean, remember the television program, Mission Impossible, all the old people. Yeah, it was, it was like the 60s. It was, I, I watched them all the time. And my favorite part, dun, 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 your mission, should you choose to accept it, you know, and then the thing blows up or whatever. And here's what I need you to hear though. God's got a mission for you, but here's the important part. And that's what I love about Mission Impossible. You have to choose to accept it. There is no question, none, biblically, relationally, you know, experientially, there's no question that God has a purpose for your life. I don't care what you think or what you've experienced or how unimportant you might think you are. God has a purpose for you. And he wants you to discover it. But then it is always, 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 have I said it? Always. Up to you to choose. The plan from the very beginning is for you and me to love him, 
to connect, to serve, to grow, and then to go. We're to be his light in the midst of a very dark world. Have you watched the news recently? We live in a world that's just messed up and it's dark and it's not getting lighter. It's, it, you know, utopia is not just around the corner, guys. We live in a world where things now, the abnormals become normal and darkness and, and perversity and hatred and lying and deceit is so rapid and so destructive in our culture. And Jesus put you and me in this world to be his lights, to be his ambassadors. Second Corinthians 5, chapter tw- uh, 5, verse 20 says this, we, and, and, and again, let me just make sure you get it, that means the, all of us, we are ambassadors of Christ, the anointed one, who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. I love that translation. We are God's ambassadors, carrying the message of Jesus to a world desperately in need. And through us, God is tenderly pleading with them through our lips. To be ambassadors is to be God's agents, is to be his representatives. It means that you're authorized to speak on his behalf. If you're an ambassador in a foreign country, when you speak, you're speaking on behalf of the president. And that means that as ambassadors for Christ, we are his voice. We represent him. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be his voice in his hands, to be his light in the midst of a very dark world. That's our mission. But choosing is the hard part, huh? Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid of rejection or embarrassment or harassment. Maybe even we fear persecution. But God has strategically put you in your sphere of influence to be like Jesus. Why? Because eternity is in the balance. Because eternal lives are at stake. One last story. Uh, Many years ago, a friend of mine, um, he told me a story about his work experience. And he said, you know, for a long time, I've I've been a Christian, I've walked with Jesus, I go to church, I read the Bible, I have my quiet time, I love the Lord, I spend time with him. He said, but at work, and he worked some some same place for 12 or 13 years at that point. He said, at work, he said, no one knew I was a Christian. I mean, they might have suspected, you know, that I was religious, but they really didn't know anything about my my love for Jesus or my relationship with him. So I was a closet Christian. He said, that was me. He said, but then, he said, a friend of mine, a guy I'd worked with for over 10 years, came in one day and I could tell he was upset. I said, what's wrong? And he said, I just got diagnosed with stage four, I think it was lymphoma, and I've got months to live. And it turned out to be weeks to live, and then that guy passed away. Now, my friend telling me the story, he said, his work buddy, he said, I'm pretty sure he didn't make it to heaven. He said he hated God, he cursed Christians, he was angry and vile, and made all sorts of negative comments and, and filthy things, and he just... If he was a Christian, he was a pretty bad one. <laughs> but he said, I don't think he knew Jesus. And said, I went to his funeral. And I sat there listening to people in the eulogy as I talked about his life. And it hit me. He says, it's highly likely that my friend is not with Jesus and he's going to spend eternity in hell. And he said, I made a decision right there, right then that I was, I was not going to be a closet Christian anymore, that I was going to take serious the great commission to go, to go into my world, to go into my sphere of influence, 
and to just be a witness, to just be an ambassador, to just, you know, nobody needs a Bible-thumping Christian. Nobody needs a self-righteous, hyper-righteous, you know, wacko that's always, you know, talking about Jesus and, and, and how he makes everything peachy keen and, and uh, you know, it, w- they don't need that. What they need is somebody says, you know what? I've lived a hard life. I've been through hell and back. I've made plenty of mistakes, but here's what I know. Jesus loves me and he's changed me. And because of him, I know I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. A purpose-driven Christian goes, goes into their world and makes a difference. Are you? Bye, let me pray for you. Jesus, there's no question that you gave us, all of us, a mission, a purpose. You call us to follow you, and you call us to walk with you, and you call us to be like you. And we're in a world, Lord, that desperately needs you. And so it's my prayer today, Jesus, that we would evaluate the condition of our souls, our hearts, our lives, that not in a way that we bring condemnation or guilt, that's not your intent, that's not mine, but that we would really truly evaluate how are we? Are we living a purpose-driven life? Are we living, loving, connecting, serving, growing, and going? And if not, why not? And that you would encourage us and challenge us to become more like you. And then, Holy Spirit, the good news is I'm so grateful that you promised to empower us to live that life. That you never told us to go and do it on our own. You said, I'll be with you every step along the way. And so empower us today. Help us to choose, to choose well, to choose wisely, to choose you, and then help us to be more like you. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed for a minute, if you will. And maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you've not yet begun your life as a Christ follower. I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision, a choice. The most important choice you'll ever make is a choice to say, yes, God, I need a Savior. I've sinned, I've failed, I've blown it, I can't do this on my own, and I want to spend eternity with you, and so I confess I need you, I want you. And if you're here today, you're watching online, and you're ready to do that, just make this prayer. I'm going to pray the words, but you make this prayer yours right now. Something like this, Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And Jesus, I believe that you live right now, that you are alive today, that you live for me. And so I want to die to my old life, my old self, my old ways. I want to, I want to set that old person far from, from me and, and I want to embrace you. I want to embrace your life, your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. I need you. And so I give you my life today. I surrender my all to you. Now, if that's you and that's your heart's desire, just in your own way, say, yep, God, that's me. Today, I'm saying yes to you. Today, I'm surrendering to you. Today, I'm becoming a Christ follower. Today, I want to begin my journey as a purpose-driven Christian. Now, if that's you, just in your own heart, say, yep, God, that's me. The Bible says that moment you say yes to him, you become his child. It's the beginning. You're on this journey now, but it's that moment of, of transformation is happening right now in you. Lord, for those that are making that choice, show them what it means, what you're doing, and then lead them from here today, encouraged and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray to your name. Amen.